0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: And they'll go eye formation with Tonga ahead of Montgomery, and he punches off the left side and into the end zone for the touchdown. That easy. Two snaps of the game. You got a sack strip recovery and a touchdown David Montgomery's 20th career touchdown, and the Bears have the lead, 6-0 here at Soldier Field. Shotgun to Glennon, pockets clean, throws over the middle, and the pass is tipped and intercepted to Sean Gibson running left. 50-45, 40! 35, 30, drags a couple of Giants inside the 25-yard line. Bears have taken the ball away on consecutive possessions. A 32-yard return for Deshaun Gibson. Snap to Dalton on fourth down, staring into the end zone. Coming across, left to right, Darnell Mooney, the catch, and the touchdown! Touchdown, Bears! Tight quarters, zipping from left to right. Moody the grab from four yards out. On fourth down, and a touchdown for the Bears. They lead it 13-0 over the Giants. Snap from the two. Here's the handoff. Montgomery blasting up the middle head into the end zone for the touchdown. His second of the day, and the Bears Lead is now ballooned at 28 3 over the New York Giants. Snap back. Here comes pressure. Here comes Gibson. Knocks it out of the hands of the quarterback, Glennon. And Travis Gibson has his second sack of the day and second strip of Glennon. Bears recover the football. Up with it, Kairos Tonga. Snap back with time. Here comes oh, Queen. Walked right into it. Queen's oh, got fumble. him wrapped up when the ball comes out. Ball comes out. Giants have recovered. But Robert Quinn has just picked up sack number 18 in a regular season that has been nothing short of spectacular and has set the Bears' single season record for sacks that has held for 37 years by Richard Dent six seconds five seconds wrapping things up Uh, defense came to play today taking the ball away. Putting points on the board, helping the offense on short fields. The end result a wire to wire win by the Bears, who took advantage of the first snap of the game defensively to take the ball away, leading to points. And they ran away with this one 29 3 here at Soldier Field to get their sixth win of the year and end the home slate with a win for the first time in six games here at soldier field and now it's time for the scores post post game show with anthony heron and olin krutz on 670 the score and odyssey station
2: a victorious effort a winning effort out there at soldier field today for your chicago bears they got it done 29 to 23 was the final score as the Bears take down the New York Giants. Final home game of the season. Final game at Soldier Field for this football season. A lot of news will likely still be made here over the next couple of weekends. And the announced attendance out at Soldier Field was uh, was over 59,000. It did not appear. The, the crowd was, was quite that full. Capacity is only 61,000. So it's a bit of a sparse crowd. Uh, the, the Bears, obviously, in the midst of a difficult season and uh, weather conditions, not the most comfortable out there. But those of you who did go in person, I hope you enjoyed it because there was a fun show that was put on. And we haven't necessarily gotten to say that very much this season. The home games overall have gone better than the away games for the Bears this year. But this was, was one that uh, that pretty much every phase of the game executed at a high level, certainly out-executed. One of the worst teams in the National Football League, the New York Giants. This is the Post-Post Show. I'm Anthony Heron alongside Bears great Olin Cruz, We're here with you until 6.30 this evening, taking you up to Sunday night football coverage on The Score. That'll be out in Lambeau Field as the Minnesota Vikings face the Green Bay Packers. That, of course, on television, on NBC, and on the radio right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 6.70, The Score. Andy Dalton got the start. He attempted 35 passes. David Montgomery got plenty of touches, plenty of carries. In the game and there were plenty of targets that went the way of one Darnell Mooney defense showed up showed out against former Bears starting quarterback Mike Glennon. He was the the subject of a number of different punch lines throughout the week. But when it comes down to it, whomever the opposing quarterback is the defense has a job to do and they did it against Mike Glennon and and that Giants offense. Saquon Barkley did get off a little bit, had a nice day, over 100 yards on the ground for a very talented running back who's had a difficult season in his own right. But you could tell Barkley was running with a little bit of extra urgency, it seemed, returning to the scene where his season-ending ACL injury took place last season at Soldier Field. But on the whole, Bears dominated most phases of this game. Four takeaways for that defense, and as Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer Let us know in that package that Brandon Fryer put together leading into our show here. Robert Quinn came out with the single-season sacks record. Richard Dent had 17-and-a-half. Robert Quinn now with 18 sacks on the season. There has never been a Chicago Bears pass rusher to have a pass-rushing season as productive as what Puerto Rican Bobby put together Mm. this year. So credit to him. Congratulations to him and Olin Krutz in that effort with the way the Bears were able to make that happen today. There's some some ends of that where I come out of the game like, man, I mean, not only would it have been nice to see that more frequently, but it does to me leave the question in my head of you know, I think I think a lot of us kind of feel like we, we know at least some version of the why's for why it hasn't happened. But it does feel like a roster that was capable, that has been capable of more than just being a six win ball club. And we saw some of that on display today.
3: We did. And it was a fun game to watch. Uh, Robert Quinn. I'm sure you can speak to the kind of year he's had to, to put up that many sacks when you're not leading in a lot of games, right. when Khalil Mack is not there. So you're getting more attention than usual. And, and a lot of his sacks have been really impressive against good left tackles. Uh-huh. Uh, he's played the run well. His effort, I, I, think last, I think it was last week against the Seahawks, I think they ran a boot on the first play, Russell Wilson did. And I think Quinn ran like 80 yards. He just took off. Do you remember just that? Sprinting yeah, after I, him, I knew man. you just saw. Got it. out the stack. Yeah. And, and I'm just saying the the year he's had, and and think about the Quinn family, right? I think his sister won the gold medal in the hurdles. I mean, it's unbelievable. If you, you know, if you're a parent, your your daughter's the gold medal winner. Your son breaks Richard Dent. I mean, Richard Dent's a legend, right? <laughs> right. He's a Hall legend, famer, a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, uh, played next to Dan Hampton for that, I think it was the '84 season. Uh, that defense was really extremely good. Uh, the year Robert Quinn just put up some of the knocks on him coming in, uh, he only did it on turf. It's something I, I worried about, mm. right? Especially after watching him last year and really said last year, man, what a bad signing by Ryan Pace. Mm. Uh, Robert Quinn came out and embarrassed all of us. This year, I'll speak for myself. Uh, he made me put my foot in my mouth. Uh, he has shown me that he's one hell of a football player. I heard Chris Long say, I think on his podcast, Chris Long, obviously the brother Kyle Long, uh, Robert Quinn's teammate in St. Louis, said the guy can run on his ankles. Hmm. Yes, he can. And some of the angles, when you stop the film, when he bends, when he beats tackles, uh, it was really an impressive year. Uh, as a former football player, and I'm sure you feel the same way, I can't give him enough credit, congratulate him enough. Uh, what an accomplishment by a guy who came back, whatever injury he was going through, I should never said a word, even today when you listen to him talk. It wasn't me. They asked him about his were you thinking about it? He said, well, everybody kept reminding me, you know, are you going to get the sack? Right, yeah, of course. Right. You know, and and to do it within the 16 games. He said Richard Dent uh, stopped by his house and said, it don't count if you do it in game 17, right? <laughs> and, and knowing Rich a little bit, I don't doubt that, right? But um, and, and, you know, Robert said nobody wants their record to be broken. Uh, I, I was, and I'm really interested to hear former D Lyman's perspective on how hard it is to get to the quarterback that many times to create that kind of havoc all year long on a team that hasn't had a lot of leads. Right. And to,
2: to do it as an individual without the, or for the bulk of the season without Khalil Mack. And that, that's the thing that that should be factored into the excellence that we've seen from Robert Quinn this year as well, where, I mean, even as, as early in the season, as Khalil Mack was trying to like fight through the foot injury and they were out there together and they, it was kind of spot duty at times, but, when you had both of them coming off the opposing edges, then, you know, more of the attention was getting paid to Khalil Mack. But then as Mack was having to leave the lineup pretty frequently and starting to miss some games before they eventually just kind of shut him down for the season with the surgery, you saw more attention beginning to get paid to Robert Quinn. And as opponents are, you know, chipping him with backs or aligning tight ends to his side more frequently, that changes the rush angle. It changes the attack that you can have. It changes the way you can get an offensive tackle on an island with the way that Robert Quinn can get that chop club rip, that speed mm. going up the field. But the the point you make really, it factors into Robert Quinn's individual performance, the performance of the Bears defense as a whole that we've talked about pretty frequently is the the lack of opportunities there have been to take the field with a lead, to take the field coming off of a, a great offensive moment or a, an offensive performance, perhaps mm-hmm. even several series in a row where the team is feeling like they're having to play from behind, where the defense Play downhill at an opponent. So, to be able to have this type of pass rushing performance, this productivity with sacks, and you know, some of them early in the game, you know, frankly, a lot of them early in the game, but even here as of late, especially late in games, in, in some critical moments here, like we saw last week on the road in Seattle, for Robert Quinn to play with that type of effort, coming off of what we saw from them last season on the whole to be a, another 100-sack guy. That, that's sort of the pinnacle. That's the threshold that all these great pass rushers look towards. Just to see, I remember being in Detroit early in my career and Robert Porche, who I'm sure you remember, he was, he was getting mm-hmm. late in his career at that point. And that was such a big deal for Robert Porche. He wanted to be able to hit that 100-sack that plateau because he, had, he was a guy who had been to multiple Pro Bowls. He'd had some outstanding individual seasons. Some of them as a team in Detroit weren't always that great but that's sort of that milestone that people want to hit, you know, and, and he was trying to get to that. Robert Quinn achieving not only the Bears' single-season sack record, but getting to 100 career sacks and doing it in situations where his, his individual productivity as a pass rusher, so many of these sacks in modern football comes where you get teams behind the chains. Bears' run defense has been spotty this year, so this had not always come when teams are behind the chains and predictable downs and distances. Certainly hasn't always come where teams are forced to throw the ball because they're trailing against the Chicago Bears in this offense that struggled so much. So it just shows the, the excellence that he's been able to, to perform, the productivity that's there, the effort that he's been rushing with, man, because mm. it's, it's a tough season that the Bears have been going through here. And it's unfortunate that Roquan Smith doesn't get you know recognized for for the Pro Bowl for the season he's put together. And it's nice that Robert Quinn already has, has at least gotten the Pro Bowl recognition, and we'll see what other postseason accolades end up coming his way, you know. Comeback Player of the Year mm-hmm. should be up for consideration for that. Perhaps even NFL Defensive Player of the Year consideration for that. You would imagine at least some votes would go his way, mm-hmm. and who knows what happens with uh with T.J. Watt and and things going out there in Pittsburgh. But it, it's quite a response from what we saw last season and the effort that's necessary for that type of finish. You're talking about Chris Long's podcast, and you know what it's like when you're when you're trying to pass protect and you have that pass rush who's <laughs> able to. With that low pad level, turn the corner. Like an ice
3: skater turning the corner, man. Right, I mean, man. Uh, j- just to, trying to put into context, because the Bears' year hasn't, hasn't been good, trying to put in context what kind of year Robert Quinn just had, right? In his 11th year in the NFL, like we talked about last year, before all intent and purposes, uh, Ryan Pace took a beating for signing this guy because mm-hmm. uh, gave him $70 million and he didn't look very good out yeah. there. And we were all waiting. And one day, maybe he'll say what was actually the injury that was bugging him last year. But to his credit, no excuses. He just kept playing. uh, Came back this year, you know, when he would rip under on run plays. Uh, He was almost unstoppable, Mm -hmm. right? And he'd get up the field, uh, bend a corner. uh, Like you're saying, I've told the story before that I went to that O-line masterminds out there in Texas run by Duke Manningweather. And all the tackles were talking. And because I'd only seen Robert Quinn last year, they all said his – uh, cross-chop move was the hardest move in the NFL to stop. And I'm thinking to myself, are they talking about Robert Quinn? Right? Because of <laughs> like what I Robert saw. Quinn? Robert Quinn. And, and, and I remember watching him in St. Louis on yeah. that turf. I remember how hard he was to stop out there. But uh, the year he just had, how dominant he's been, like we talked about, the Bears have not had a lot of leads. You're talking about an offense. I don't know, after a 29-point performance today, uh, that's probably still averaging under 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. right? So they haven't put up a lot of points. Obviously, playing the Giants say that average under 17 points a game helps. But uh, the year Robert Quinn had, um, a lot of respect for what I watched, not only because he wasn't just going after sacks. This guy was attacking the football, or whoever had the football, and it didn't matter what down it was this year. It didn't matter what the score was. It didn't matter that they're out of the playoffs. He brought it every single day, every single play, and, you know, just – My sincere congratulations to him for breaking that record because I know how much that must mean to him, especially when it's tied to a name like Richard Dent.
2: Yeah, it was cool to see the Bears put a little video up on Twitter. There was a message from Richard Dent and Jimbo Covert where they were both congratulating Robert Quinn on achieving this single-season sack record and doing it in 16 games. And, I mean, you know, the the sack man himself, Richard Dent, Mm -hmm. to be able to sort of, you you know, not necessarily pass the baton, but to sort of pay homage to what Robert Quinn did this season. It's really cool to see that message the Bears put out there. Mm -hmm. 312-644-6767 is the phone line. We are on the subject of the Bears and their victory as a whole here on the Post Post Show. Anthony Heron and Olin Cruz. We do already have a a caller on the line, but we'll be here with you up until uh, 630 for Sunday night football coverage here on the score. But got a caller on the line wanting to talk some Robert Quinn. Let's get one caller in before we go to a timeout. Feel free to light the phone lines up. We will not only talk Robert Quinn the entire time. There's plenty to discuss. And we did have the Andy Dalton start. That took place today. Everyone, I'm sure, is, of course, hoping to see Justin Fields take the field again next week. But we'll get into a lot of things. But I think there, there's a caller on the line who apparently wants to talk some Robert Quinn. So let's get that in before we get to our first time out. What's happening? You got Anthony and Olin.
4: Yes, Black Physicist.
2: What's happening, Black Physicist?
4: Hey, uh, I first want to say, yeah, it's Happy New Year and congratulations to the score for their 30th year on the air.
2: Really appreciate you saying that. Yes, today is the 30th anniversary of of Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Thanks for recognizing that. You
4: want to get the callers in. Um, I think Robert Quinn's performance shows he is a potential Hall of Famer. I mean, with you guys saying that Richard Dent tweeted, great job, but This victory was predicated upon the defense. I thought that um, Gibson had a great game. And let's not forget Roquan Smith, who started it with that fumble.
2: I would agree. Yeah, Roquan Smith was was outstanding again. the, The Bears showing some mug look to that Giants offensive line, and to uh, to Mike Glennon as a quarterback. And so that that initial, the very first snap mm-hmm. of the game, you get a free rushing Travis Gibson coming off the, the edge unblocked, and he made it count, man. He made mm-hmm. Mike Glennon feel it. You mm-hmm. get it into the Bears offense, had a country fumble. We got Bilal Nichols, he picks it up, rumbles inside <laughs> the five, and then just one snap later, the offense paid it off with David Montgomery getting that touchdown run. And it was nice to see, I mean, you know, I guess if it it was a different game, I I do wonder where we saw, not only did we see the jump pass attempt from David Montgomery Mm -hmm. late in the game, saw Kyrus Tonga in there at fullback. You Mm -hmm. know, he had the the big guy in there lead blocking on the touchdown run. That was one of those things early in Matt Nagy's time here where we saw some of that sprinkled in. I don't know that any of that would, would have been the cure for the Bears' offense, but it does surprise me a little bit that we didn't at least see some of that. It feels like we haven't seen any of those moments, you know, big men in the backfield odd formations. There wasn't much of that this season, but it was kind of a fun addition to a really dominant game from the Bears today.
3: It really was. It really was uh, a good to see Kyrie's Tonga in there, fullback. I mean, first of all, if you're a linebacker, you don't want to look at Tonga coming through the hole. Right. Uh, the first play of the game, you start to wonder sometimes about these offensive geniuses, Freddie Kitchens, the offense coordinator the, for the Giants. You go empty with Glennon at quarterback. I mean – the Bears just gave up 170 yards rushing to Seattle. Uh-huh. I'm going to come run the ball. I'm going to come out. I'm going to yeah. come out. I'm not going to put Mike Lennon in empty. <laughs> of course the Bears, you know, they go five man protection. How Glennon, you know, you have your first 15. This is you're you're, you're a veteran quarterback. You know if they walk Roquan up Travis Gibson. But anyway, we'll, t- we'll take the free sack. We'll take the free fumble. Bilal Nichols scoops. And, and like you said, uh, they go in from the two-yard line down in I formation. Why Coach Niggy went away from those fun plays? Uh, who knows uh, what-, what the thought process is for the Chicago Bears in the red zone overall over the years. I know today was a good game, but it hasn't been a, a great time. As far as Quinn being a Hall of Fame-type pass rusher. Uh, you'd have to look at his stats over a long time, and then you have to talk about the kind of years guys like Richard Denton has had, mm-hmm. uh, a guy like Michael Strahan has had, you know, guys who are Hall of Fame. There's a lot of guys in that conversation when you start to talk about a Hall of Fame pass rusher, I just don't know if his career was at that level. This year, yes. Mm-hmm. This year, yes, But but to be a Hall of Fame pass rusher, You're talking about 10 of those in a row, not obviously 18 sacks, but dominant, Uh, uh, playing on a dominant defense, and people fear you for a long time. The NFL Hall of Fame may be the hardest Hall of Fame to get into in league sports.
2: As as you would certainly know, Olin Krutz, um, I, I would say the majority of folks who have been watching the game of football here over these last couple of generations anticipate at some point the man sitting across from me will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Teammate Lance Briggs, gotten to, to spend a lot of time with Lance also. Other Hall of Fame caliber Bears who have been here and done great things for this organization we're discussing right now. Anticipate more of that being on the way. But Robert Quinn, you know, the numbers are there, so the discussion will probably happen. You know, when you have a 19-sack season and an 18-sack season and you hit that that 100-sack threshold, then, yeah, I, I think the discussion will certainly be there for Robert Quinn. Is he a guy who has been – you know, perennially in that that defensive player of the year discussion. It doesn't feel like that's come up for Robert Quinn much in his career. Overall, that doesn't take anything away from the excellence that's there. But, you know, the, his resume certainly isn't complete yet at this moment. So we'll, we'll see. But as of today, you know, may, may be a little difficult for him to try to get there. But a good call starting things out from black physicists there. And he did reference also the 30th anniversary of 670. The score We'll be able to discuss some of that over the course of the next one hour plus, taking you up to Sunday night football coverage here. On the Post-Post Show, Anthony Heron and Olin Krutz on Chicago Sports Radio, 670
5: The Score. Great that we got the win. Um, then to do that, to break the record, uh, makes it a little, uh, you can enjoy it a lot better because you have, you know, the you have the win. So you can actually, everyone can actually enjoy something in the locker room.
1: And now, back to the Post-Post Game Show with Anthony Heron and Olin Krutz on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Robert Quinn, breaking the Bears, single season
2: sack record. And as always, you know, very, very monotone, very matter-of-fact about it. He did get the game ball over on uh, Fox 32. We had Caitlin Sharkey. She was over at Soldier Field, and, and Sharkey was saying how, you know, they were out there in the tunnel area. She saw Robert Quinn just kind of carrying the game ball out of there as he was on his way to his vehicle. So it was nice to see his uh, his teammates honoring him. That moment, Matt Nagy takes the time out to allow Robert Quinn and his teammates to sort of soak that in once he did finally achieve the record. There's a couple times earlier in the game where it looked like he was going to have a chance at getting that sack. There's one time where Mike Glennon just kind of flipped it over to Devontae Booker where he was in the grasp of Robert Quinn. But once the record was assured, it's nice touch by Matt Nagy to uh, to have that timeout be taken and, and just kind of let everybody honor Robert Quinn for a moment. 312-644-6767 is the phone line. If you want to give us a call here at the Post Post Show, on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Anthony Heron and Olin Cruz taking you up to Sunday night football coverage here on The Score as the Green Bay Packers will host the Minnesota Vikings. So we got some time to kind of spread our wings and talk about what's happening, not only on the whole season with the Bears, certainly what we saw today. And, and one of those things was uh, certainly something we discussed on our post-game show, and I'm sure you guys probably got into it over on NBC Sports Chicago with the football after show as well. The The youth movement, and what factors into that and how much, you know, franchises maybe go all in on the youth movement versus having veterans in the lineup. Bruce Irvin, you know, has been getting reps off the edge for the Bears. They obviously have Travis Gibson out a two-sack day today. So it was nice to see that. And it took until very late in the game, until we saw both rookie tackles mm-hmm. out there together and Tevin Jenkins at left tackle and Larry Borm at right tackle. And Matt Nagy was asked after the game by the media specifically about Why did you get, you know, Jason Peters healthy now, you got this great player, but what's he getting to start for over the rookie? Matt Nagy addressed that.
6: Well, again, a few things, um, all these guys, whether they're coming off an injury, coming back from an injury, um, you start on the left side with, with Jason, you know, Jason's been our starter this entire year. Um, this is a hall of fame player that's been playing a long time and he battled his ass off to get back here and play. And he did a great job, and we weren't sure how that was going to go. Tevin, same thing, coming, you know, working through an injury from last week's game. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the decision that we made. And it's been, like I've said from the beginning, like we're going to do everything that we need to do that what's best for this team right now. And, you know, that's what we did. And then in regards to, to Larry uh, and, and Effetti, I go back to with um, Larry coming off of COVID a few weeks ago and trying to get back into shape. We weren't sure where he was going to be last week. We, he was forced into action early, and we thought he did a good job. So we go into this week thinking, again, he played well when he was in. And so, you know, we went with him for this week. So the, the guys have handled it great. The communication has been great. Uh, I appreciate that from them. And, and again, we were able to get um, Tevin in in the fourth quarter there too. So we're trying to kind of, kind of balance that, but at the same point in time um, work that dynamic of all those guys. And, Olin,
2: um, I, I was on, I think it was on Tuesday. I was on with Hub for a few hours in the afternoon. And the best guess I could give, looking back to last week where Jermaine Fetti starts over Larry Borm and you know, like Matt Nagy just referenced there where Borm's coming, coming off of COVID. And we heard Allen Robinson talked about a little bit this week where he's lost 10 pounds and you know, wasn't sure where his conditioning would be at. And, you know, a lot of people in this kind of young, healthy demographic that that NFL players are in. Extremely unaffected by it. Some more affected than others. So the best I could do was was guess. I don't know. Maybe there were some conditioning concerns mm-hmm. for Larry Borm. Mm-hmm. You know, Tevin Jenkins. I don't know if it's the shoulder or what, but it does seem like at tackle where now you have seen both young guys, and especially Borm has played well at right tackle. It does. It seems odd at best that <laughs> that the Bears are, are still starting the, the veteran guys in some of these situations.
3: Yeah, you're you're like stuck trying to explain why they would play a Fetty over Borum. and and I know you talked about the COVID, but then um and, and that's the same thing I was thinking. You're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Okay. Mm. Something must have happened to Borum because honestly in my opinion opinion, has either been better or just as good as a Fetty right. at least at right tackle. So And if that's the case, then why not go with the young guy if it's a wash anyway. Go with the young guy and but then we hear Laser say the week before when Tevin Jenkins got beat in Green Bay, if you're suited up, you're expected to play at a high level, right? And Borum Mm. is suited up. So put him out there, let him start. And then the whole Peters is a Hall of Famer. and, And as you know, Big Ant, with guys like that, no one has more respect for Jason Peters than me. Mm-hmm. No one has more respect for what he's done this year than me, coming off the fishing boat. Remember, the Bears' plan was Tevin Jenkins at left tackle. Mm-hmm. That was their plan. Either that or they're going to go to Elijah Wilkinson or Alex Barnes is the only other option they really had. Right, into right? Tevin Jenkins had the back surgery. So now all of a sudden you're giving us all these, almost like you owe Jason Peters the chance to play today against the 4 and 11 New York Giants that doesn't make any sense in week to me. 17. Yeah, yeah it doesn't make in week 17 when you're out a playoff run when Tevin Jenkins has barely played this year and then you say well we did get Tevin in there for five plays I I, I just you're not doing you're doing what's what's best I guess in his mind for the team right now for they, they want to beat they thought they needed Jason Peters to beat the New York Giants today mm-hmm. I would argue they didn't I would argue the, the score would have been the same with Tevin Jenkins. Lorenzo Carter beats Jason Peters for a sack early in the game, and then you're, chip, you're chipping for the 40 left tackle. Well, if you're going to chip and help the left tackle, hmm. just put Tevin Jenkins in there and let him play and let him develop. But obviously Coach Nagy with Thomas Graham, with Borum, with with uh, Jenkins, they're not going in that direction, hmm. right? I, I would I would argue that somebody above them has to step in and say, okay, at Wednesday's practice, I noticed you had Jason Peters starting a left tackle. What the hell is going on there? Like, <laughs> hey, let's get t- If Tevin Jenkins is healthy, if he's healthy, healthy enough to suit up, let's get him on the field. Let's get him playing. Uh, I want to see more of him. I thought he improved when he played against uh, Woonham and the right. Vikings, right? right? I don't think the Giants don't really have a dynamic pass rusher, I wouldn't say. Yeah. I thought... Tevin Jenkins would have held up just fine at home today. Uh, You're trying to feature Montgomery anyway to run game. Uh, You would have been just fine there with Tevin Jenkins at left tackle. Uh, I don't don't agree with the decision. I don't like the decision, uh, but And their reasons don't make much sense to me. And Matt Nagy
2: didn't say anything about the shoulder, you know, Mm -hmm. as a concern or anything like that. Like even if it was, well, you know, he's just coming off the shoulder issue and, you know, we didn't want to start him, but he's there for an emergency or something like that. One thing I'm curious about, we got some calls on the line also, 312-644-6767. It looks like one of them wants to talk specifically on this topic. But I I do – I want to follow up just your thoughts here. Obviously, you've been that guy who has been the the veteran leader – on this Bears franchise, you've gotten to the latter stages of your career with multiple franchises, and I'm wondering if, and, you know, who knows? Like, Matt Nagy was even asked about this potentially being his last game coaching at Soldier Field, but franchise as a whole, in is, is there anything to wanting to pay the respect to, to veteran players and not mm-hmm. feel like you're just sort of shoving – a great player aside, you know, and and whether or not that's something that festers or people talking around the league, is there anything to that as far as the Bears just not wanting to sort of feel like they're being seen as like mistreating
3: great players who've done things for them? Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating, right, because for them, right, if Jason Peters is in Philadelphia, okay, Uh, the argument of Jason Peters winning a Super Bowl, playing a lot of games, a lot Uh, of years in Philadelphia, right? right. Uh, Jason Peters is on his... I don't know, 12, 13th start here for the Chicago Bears. Uh-huh. So, um, I, I think as an older player, when I got later in my career, as long as you were honest, completely honest, you know, Jace Peters, I, I don't know his whole situation, but, you know, the guys who are raising kids, they're in a different category <laughs> than the younger guys in their 20s, right? Uh-huh. And once you become a grown man and you've been through a lot, as long as the coach will look you in the eye and say, look, this is exactly what's going on here. So if you'll have the guts, and I know Jason Peters is a big man, right? He's the kind of guy you probably start with, sir. Uh, you know, sir. Right? Um, you know, why don't we call him by his name? Right? Just, uh, I just right? if I saw Jason somewhere, I'd be like, "How you doing, sir?" Right? You know, he's a mountain of a man. So I understand not wanting maybe to piss him off. I understand uh-huh. all of that. But we we constantly hear commodities guys. We have to do what's best for the right. Chicago Bears organization, and all of a sudden now. With two games left, that is, has that is completely changed, hmm. right? And I, I, I could hear your argument like they sent Brian Erlacher out the door here, right? Mm-hmm. They sent him out, you know, like there's different guys who have played hundreds of games for the yeah. Chicago Bears. Not saying that you don't respect Jason Peters. I'm saying if it was in Philadelphia and you're trying to respect him and send him off in front of a Philadelphia crowd where he's given so much of his time, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna give you one last start in front of the Philadelphia home. That way, you can walk off the field at home in front of your home crowd. Mm. That I could totally understand. Hmm. But, but that's not Jason Peters' situation here in Chicago. So the reason I'm like you, Big Ant, you're searching for reasons they're Mm. doing this, right? Because you don't want to, you don't want to believe the worst about people, (laughs) right? And I don't (laughs) think Coach Nagy is a bad guy, right? Per se, right? Yeah, I don't. Think he's the head coach for the Chicago Bears, but it's a totally different conversation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Him doing what he's doing doesn't feel right, is what I'll say. Not mm. playing Tevin Jenkins, not playing Borum in Seattle, uh, not playing Thomas Graham more. Even if you just put him in a slot, you don't have a slot cornerback. Yeah, why not take a look at the guy in the slot, right? So at some of these things, uh, I'm confused by it.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That is more than fair. Three, one, two, six, four, four, six, seven, six, seven. Let's go to Mark. On the south side, this is the post post show. What's happening, Mark? You got Ant Nolan.
5: Hey guys, uh, happy thirtieth to the score. Great win today, and it felt really good to see that defense show up, especially Eddie Jackson laying the lumber on that one play on the sideline. Uh, I definitely had the question: Why would you? Why would you leave Jason Peters out there to start when Tevin Jenkins is the future? He had no training camp. He had the back surgery after rookie minicamp, and you know he's had some some penalty issues his first first couple of times you throw him out there. Why wouldn't you just let him go out there? You know, get his timing, put some more put him some more of him on film so that whoever the offensive line coach or the head coach is next year they can see. Okay, he did this. He did this. We can clean this up so that you can make him that blindside protector that you want him to be instead of Jason Peters, who next year he's going to be. You know, listening and watching Bears games with the rest of us, back out on his fishing boat enjoying life, waiting for that call from Canton.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you on that, Mark. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. That that seems to be the approach that would make sense. And, and frankly, I think even if you know if it gets to to where because it, I think to the point point Olin was making where Jason Peters his his greatness and all the the blood, sweat, and tears. The majority of that was in Philadelphia. Where to be clear, Matt Nagy was there with him in Philly for for some of those great moments. So it feels like maybe Matt Nagy is bringing that relationship that, that, you know, predates either of their times here with the bears and brings it here. But even if like factoring that in, if you say, you know what, let's get JP to start, at least pay that deference to this hall of fame player who I individually, and I'm the head man here. So that's my relationship. All right. We pay that deference to JP. Once you get control of the game, like why is it just the last series of the game where Tevin Jenkins gets in, as opposed to, you know, at halftime or something like that, where you kind of got things locked up and get get the youngster a whole lot of work, assuming he is healthy and everything. And again, Matt Nagy didn't say anything about health being a concern afterwards. So it did seem like you have a guy who, and to be clear, like Owens talked about it a bunch. We've addressed it on this show and I'll certainly addressed it on others here. Jason Peters has played well. I mean, phenomenally well for a guy 39, 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. That being said, this point in the season, you're out of the playoffs and everything else. Is that what's in the best interest of the Bears? Kind of like Bruce Irvin, getting a bunch of tick last week when Travis Gibson is a guy who needs that work, <laughs> who has shown. So some of these
3: flashes yeah. that we saw today, it, it's just been a little frustrating watching it. Obviously, you know, if, if it's just out of, if Nagy just said, man, I just have so much respect for Jason Peters as a player. I just could not play him if he oh, cool, man, <laughs> hey, but that's not, but don't, but that's not what's best for the organization. It's right. just not. And, um, you have to wonder on the side if you, were, if you were 100% sure you were going to be the coach next year, is that what you would be doing? Would you not be playing Tevin Jenkins so you get a look at him so you know you have to develop him to be your left tackle or do I have to find a left tackle next year, right? Because Jason Peters is not going to be your left tackle at 40 years old next year. So you're going to – if Tevin Jenkins isn't your guy, you don't have an answer – to protect the most important player in your franchise, which is Justin Fields, right? So then you have to, going into the offseason, you would say left tackle is their number one priority.
2: I wonder if this points to a question I definitely want us to get to. So this is probably a good time. We'll take a timeout and come back because the the topic of Matt Nagy's job security has been there throughout the entire season, the threshold that, to me at least, was going to be the first time where it made any sense was was last week with this new rule the NFL put in place that you and I have discussed on the post-post show before. Two weeks to go, you can start interviewing other head coaches. Matt Nagy has not been relieved of his duties. Doesn't seem like that's likely to happen. I mean, what's the point of doing it one game to go if you didn't do it with two games to go? But is there any legitimate negative to it? And my, my answer usually is what's what's the point in firing a coach really early in the season. Mm-hmm. But we are at this point now, and I wonder if this topic that we're on right now is perhaps an example of whatever negative could be there between having a, a head coach in place who you're not confident will still be your guy next season. Let's take a timeout, and, and we can address that. It's not not the most fun topic in the world, but it is certainly where we're at with this Bears franchise right now. We'll do that, and we'll keep taking calls at 312 312- Six four four six seven six seven. It's post post show with Owen Cruz and Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio. Six seventy the score.
6: For me, I take it day by day. If it if it goes that way, then it's uh, it's meant to be. And I just it's uh, at the same point in time, I'm so stuck in today's game and the feeling that I have that I, I don't even have time to to really I haven't thought about that. Maybe I will down the road if that was to happen. If not, I'm uh, I'm just going to do exactly what I've been doing all year long, and that's prepping for Minnesota.
1: And now back to more post-post game show on the score with Anthony Heron and Olin Kruitz.
2: Definitely not easy. And Matt Nagy's handled those moments, those questions well. 312-644-6767 post-post show. Anthony Heron and Olin Kruitz. I'm on Twitter at Big Ant The great Olin Kruitz on Twitter at Olin underscore Kruitz. But th- this particular topic, Matt Nagy's been getting asked about it for weeks and weeks at this point. And uh, as we've talked about, the Bears have never relieved a coach, relieved a head coach of their duties during the regular season. Uh, so we're, we're through 17 weeks. So, I mean, I, I guess if you got specific with it, the Bears have never fired a coach through 17 weeks of a season. We got an 18-week season here. So, I mean, there, there is an extra week of the regular season this year. Mm-hmm. But that's where the discussion picked up more steam leading into last week because there is this new rule the NFL instituted where you can start interviewing coaches with two weeks remaining when I was on with hub the other day hub was clarifying just you know some of the things maybe a lot of folks didn't know some of the minutia of it where you you can interview like a guy via zoom for a couple hours and that's kind of where you know that all you're allowed to do at the moment and you know of course it affects guys like you know Eric Biennemi and Byron Leftwich and these coaches who are part of teams that Continually, just year after year making deep playoff runs. And so there's not as many chances for some of those coordinators, especially, you know, like minority coordinators, where it's such a focus of the NFL to try and just open up additional opportunities for black coaches, Hispanic coaches, you name it, just to see if if they can just get more and more reps and get them in front of teams. But then when you have some of the best in the business who aren't getting those chances, cause they're a part of these deep runs, then it does end up making it a little bit difficult here with the bears though. And Matt Nagy going into, one week remaining on the job. Normally, Olin, my, my thought on this is, you know, I certainly, if, if a team feels like it's time to move on, I don't necessarily take issue with the coach being fired during mm-hmm. the season, but the conversation tends to start so early in the year, whether, you know, Zimmer, Nagy, you know, Judge. you Like, Judge is in the first year. It's like a couple weeks into his job in New York. It's like, oh, when are we going to fire this guy? <laughs> so, yeah, doesn't, I don't know that it, like in John Fox's last year, a lot of folks were talking about his job security. My point then was, does it really help your your rookie quarterback develop if you have a bunch of upheaval? Right, if they know they're going to move on from John Fox, why not just let him stay through the end of the regular season? It doesn't hurt having mm-hmm. him there. I think this new rule is a different wrinkle on it, though. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the points you were making before we went to our last timeout is an interesting one about how a, you know, if, if we feel like Matt Nag is a lame duck coach, maybe if he feels like he's a lame duck coach, then are the decisions he's making beneficial to the Bears from a personnel Perspective, And I do think that's an interesting sort of way to look at it. So do you, do you think that, you know, there's just one week remaining at this point, but but having Matt Nagy still sort of running the ship if the Bears don't necessarily think he's going to continue to be the guy, is there a
3: negative to that as you see it? With, with one week left, I, I don't know what they should do. I thought one of my big reasons I thought, first of all, with the two-week window, uh, Dan Pompey, you know, my my partner on the pregame show – Patrick Manley asked Dan Pompey, because Dan said, we asked him about, could, do you think you could hire a coach off of Zoom? You know, Dan Pompey, his job is interviewing people. Can mm. you get what you need from somebody off of Zoom? And he said no. And, and Pat Manley asked the question, said, but can you cross somebody off your list? Hmm. And he said, yes, I could. I, could I, I think you could cross somebody off your list. And I just think if you're the Chicago Bears um, you don't want to get behind anybody. You want to start to interview these candidates. Like you said, when they're in this playoff run, do they want to do all these interviews? Do they want to get on a Zoom with you uh, for two hours? But I also thought, Big Ann, I wonder what you think about this. The bear, you, you have to take a look. If you're going to move on from your coach, it has to be more than, wow, he really did well at the end of the year or he really did bad in this game. It has to be – the last 53 games we've had, we've scored under 20 points a game. Uh, and you're an offensive guy. Uh, at home, the last 26 games including the playoff games if we didn't count today, it's been under 18. That's uh, reason to fire somebody, right? right? So if that's my reason to fire him, then I want to see the offense without him in the building cuz I want to see how big my problem is at on offense, right? I want to see a couple new ideas, uh maybe put Tom Herman there, put Pedden, who's been a head coach, put him at the head coach position, let him run the building, let Herman... I want to see Tom Herman run what maybe he thinks the Bears should be running, right? And then I want to see what are my problems on offense. Like, the Giants have big problems on offense. I don't know much <laughs> matters who's calling plays with Mike Glennon at quarterback, right? If you can't see at that point in your career the guys come... Travis is coming free out of empty. You'll never see uh-huh. that guy. You see what I'm saying? So, if I... You know, if I'm a guy in charge at Hallis Hall, first of all, I'm paying attention to every decision right now anyway because I'm thinking my coach is thinking he might get fired. Mm-hmm. So I'm really watching everything that's going on. But I move on from Coach taking not only so I can start interviewing interviewing people, but I want to see my offense without him or his effect in the building because if I'm firing him, I'm firing him because how bad my offense is. Hmm. Right, but I want to see how big the problem actually is. How is. Do I have to get new players? Or is it a really is a scheme thing? Still have Bill Lazor, who, yeah. who's going to be there regardless, too. Well, right. I mean, well, I mean I'd, probably, I'd probably move on. I'd probably fire laser and Nate, and, and right? I'd probably uh-huh. fire Nate, and right. Na- I'd probably give really Filippo I'd get rid of DiFilippo, too. i get get all three of them out of building. And just to be honest, if you ask me. Somebody got to run the well, quarterback room. Henry but... Burris is there. Don't worry about it. I, already, I got you covered. I got Henry Burris there to run the quarterback room. Uh-huh. right? I got Snyder, right? right? I got... Yeah. I got, got Herman, Dalton, I got Bowles, I got Herman, I got. You <laughs> know how many of offensive guys? <laughs> I got a lot of quarterback. I'm not worried about the quarterback position. There's no shortage yeah. of positions. If Juan Castillo had to go, I'd be in trouble, <laughs> right? Because there's no. Whole <laughs> I'm not worried about the quarterback position, <laughs> big so, uh So uh, I just I want to see them with different ideas, right. and like you're saying. Nagy De Filippo Laser uh, they remind me of that Spider-Man gif where the uh, Spider-Man's are pointing at each other yeah, right. to me they're the same guy yeah. right so uh, that's why in 2019 when he hired them it was baffling to me I didn't know like where's the different ideas or, or how is the offense changing he was saying no there's no problem with the scheme you know, you, you 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 saw shovel pass today on, on second and two right we, we coconut, saw a lot yeah. a lot of the uh-huh. Coco comment we saw a lot of saying but uh, that would be that would be my reasoning behind not only to get a jump on it, but just to see my offense operate without that affecting the building. 312 six four four Let's go out to the phone lines, talk
2: to uh, to uh, Rosal, who wants to talk about this Bears defense on the post post show on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. What's happening? Hey, caller, you got Anthony and Olin. What's happening? this is Roberto. Roberto, okay. Hey, what's happening, Roberto? Sorry about that. You got Anthony and Olin. What's up?
4: And nothing much, man. Just wanted to make sure that uh, you know we're talking about the Bears moving on and getting better. But uh, the thing that I'm worried about is they're going to replace, they're going to trade off Quinn and Mac to fix the offense, and then we're going to have another problem with the defense next year, the year after that. Now that they're jelling and becoming a strong team and becoming a, a, a good defensive team, now we're going to switch one problem for another, and, and I'm. Terrified to see that the bears are going to go down the same road now with the offense with the defense that they've had in the office in the past
2: yeah that that's a I say that's a valid concern Roberto because the there's so much money that's been invested in the bears defense, and so for them to create some cap space for them to potentially move on from some guys who are getting a little bit older and very expensive. We don't anticipate Akeem Hicks and Akeem Hicks doesn't anticipate Akeem Hicks being back here next season. You got some really, you know, you got 70 million over here, 100 million over there off the opposing edges for your pass rusher. So it's going to be hard to keep both of them. You know, who knows, man? Maybe not either of them, just depending on what the what next season's regime, whether it's a new regime, partially new regime, completely same guys, whoever's running things going into next season, that's going to be a lot of money invested in the defensive front. So there's some moves that are going to have to be made there. Are you going to have to pay Roquan Smith? you have a year of control that remains there, but probably makes sense to get something done sooner than later on that side of things. So you know exactly what your cap situation is going to be moving forward. So it sounds like the point Roberto was making is do does, do things just flop in the complete opposite direction where you had all this defensive investment. Does that just mean they're going to go like all offense investing? And then you're going to be a lopsided squad in that direction moving forward.
3: Yeah. And, and it's a really good question. And, and I hope I don't butcher this because we all know, I don't know Saints very well, but, um, <laughs> If you don't study your history, you're doomed to repeat it, right? Entrustment came in, yeah, yeah. And, and they went with the Brandon Marshall, um, the tight end now. I'm forgetting his name, but uh, they went with him. Uh, they've changed it to the offense. Jay Cutler, they had a really good offense, and Mel Tucker was a defensive coordinator, and Erlacher moved on, and their, their, their defense was really bad for a couple of years. So mm-hmm. if they'll study their history and not make the same mistakes, I mean, obviously, there's different decisions to make, but like Roberto's talking about, uh, you do have to worry about that, right? You do have to worry about You don't want to get uh, really bad on defense, especially here in Chicago where the weather turns bad, where you got to play good defense. Yeah. Uh, Sean Desai, to me, really, I've been impressed this year. I didn't think that was the smartest decision they made when they moved on from Pagano and gave a young Sean Desai mm. uh, that job. But uh, Kyle Shanahan, McVay, I thought kind of took it to him, right? They, they But we all have to learn and get better at what we're doing. And I think he learned from those games, from going against really, really good offense coordinators who most people would consider McVay and Kyle Shanahan really good offense coordinators. I thought he got better as the year went on. I thought he found out um, how to make up for a bad secondary, uh, how to make up for a lack of a pass rush, uh, putting in different pass rushes, different looks. Uh, You know, obviously, Big Ant, I don't know for sure, but I think when they go empty today, that's an auto blitz by Roquan Smith. If they go empty, you walk up, you go. Mm-hmm. Nice design. I mean, as much as I kill Glennon for not seeing it, nice thought, nice design by right. Sean Decide. Look, if these guys go empty. I want you to walk up. Make them stop. Make them stop. They're going to be concentrating on Robert Quinn. Uh-huh. Right? They're going to want to stop Robert Quinn on their side. Why don't you walk up on the other side? The most we'll get is a one-on-one for Robert Quinn because now they can't slide everybody to him. So, mm-hmm. I thought that was smart by him. But... Been impressed by him, but a very good point by Roberto because that has happened to the Chicago Bears in this decade already. Not mm-hmm. this time, last decade, but uh, in a recent time, that has happened to them, so they have to be careful about that.
2: Right, the the investment on that particular side of the ball, the head coach, you know, whoever comes in, whether it's going from, you know, having you – know, from Lovey to Tressman to John Fox to Nagy, seems like everything does kind of vacillate to the extreme in the opposite direction of what – Feels like it didn't work the previous time around. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. Second time out as we come to the the end of this hour, taking you up to Sunday night football coverage here on the score. The youth on this roster that we've been talking about throughout this show here, some of it was on display today. And there's really just one game that remains here for this season for some of these young cats to try and prove what they can be, perhaps get the organization comfortable in what they believe they will be moving forward. And that's going to be important as you get ready to face the Minnesota Vikings next week. I wonder what Olin thinks about that. I'll certainly share my thoughts on that, about guys like Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Travis Gibson, these offensive tackles. There's some young guys who have gotten their tick as of late, and hopefully we'll see Justin Fields back out there next week. The youth on this Chicago Bears roster, where do we see it at right now? What will we see from it next week, and what does it mean headed towards next season? Love your thoughts on that as well at 312-312. 644-6767. Six four four six seven six seven. This post post show with Anthony Heron and Olin Cruz on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. I think I really learned how to be a vet as a young guy. You know these guys they take real good care of their body, always on time. You know they're just on top of their stuff to a T. And you know I'm obviously in the outside linebacker room, and I get to watch that and just watching those guys how they approach practice, how they approach the mental part of the game, film. there has been a lot of things I picked up from.
6: Are there any uh, specific pass rush moves from any of the guys that you that you really like that you've tried to work into your arsenal? Um, I like
2: the power, the power moves, and the long arm moves. You know, Khalil is a he's a great example of how to utilize those against opponents, and that's been something I've tried to implement into my game.
1: And now back to the post post game show with Anthony Heron and Olin Kreutz on six seventy The Score and Odyssey Station. This is the
2: Post-Post Show on the 30th anniversary of Chicago Sports Radio 670. The scores on this, this date back in 1992. The score was born, daytime signal at first, and everything has progressed from there. Now 50,000 watt powerhouse. And you can read a full article there on odyssey.com slash 670. The score. And so it's, a, it's an honor to be here talking about the Bears, breaking it down one of the Greatest Bears of all time, future Hall of Famer, Olin Krutz. I'm Anthony Heron. We're taking you up to Sunday Night Football coverage here on The Score, where you will have the Green Bay Packers hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, a very big game for the Vikings. Not as much for Green Bay aside from seeing if they can, uh, I think they're still in position to try and solidify perhaps number one seed with a couple of games remaining for them. But breaking down what happened with the Bears, 29-3 win that the Bears had the final home game, final game at Soldier Field this season for the Bears, defeating the Minnesota Vikings. I'm sorry, defeating the New York Giants. And so at this point, we know the Bears are better than the Detroit Lions. We know the Bears are, I suppose we say the Bears, they beat them on the road better than the Seattle Seahawks, better than the New York Giants. So the the worst teams in football, the Bears are not that. The Bears are better than that, but they haven't been good enough this season to solidify uh, another playoff berth under Matt Nagy. And so the discussion about the Bears is is more about the youth on the roster. We heard from Travis Gibson there, and we, we saw some of the young guys, maybe not quite as much the last couple of weeks as we would hope for, but we've been seeing Tevin Jenkins and Larry Boreham on the field. We saw Travis Gibson on the field. We know at this point what Roquan Smith is. You know, he's he's working into being a vet at this point. But a guy like Darnell Mooney, you know, there, there are some young guys on this team, uh, Justin Fields chief amongst them, that – are worthy of, of evaluation and concern and just wondering what what the roster is as it sits right now. And mm-hmm. I guess it relates to one of the discussions we had earlier, Olin, about at six and ten, is this is this a roster that's 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 better, I suppose, than the six and ten record would indicate. Is some of this young talent on the team, you know, sort of proving themselves worthy of building around, yeah, you, you know, with some of these young guys we're, we're kind of naming here. I guess you can take that any direction you'd like to go. Is mm-hmm. is Darnell Mooney a, a number one guy? Assuming Allen Robinson isn't back, do you like these young tackles? The youth on this Bears roster. Where do you see that right now?
3: Yeah, uh, you know, if, if you look at the the youth on this roster, when you look at offensively, first of all, they just haven't been able to score enough points. Period. Right. So no matter. I like David Montgomery. I think he gives you an identity on offense. I think he's a tough running back. I think he can be a leader, but I don't think, as as my partner Alex Brown says on ABC Sports Chicago, is he 88 out the gate? Mm. Is he explosive enough for the kind of offense the Bears are running? So the Bears don't have a lot of guys who catch that ball and they're just gone, right? right. Mooney right. has stepped up. And, and, I, and I think he's close, but I think he's more of a two, uh-huh. right? Cole Komet I just haven't seen enough out of him this year. Parts of me wonder if he was fully healthy all year this year. When I watched him play, uh, when I watched him block late in the season, especially run blocking, he didn't seem to have the strength that he normally has, right? And there were a few times when he he got pushed back at the point of attack. Uh, So as far as the offensive side goes, you've never seen them dominate in stretches, Mm -hmm. right? And and I think the reason why Coach Nagy, if he is shown the door – that would be the biggest reason, right? So I am not where I need to be on offense yet. I think these guys, the guys you mentioned, are worth developing, right? They're worth um, taking my time to see, okay, can I get them in the weight room? What do they have to do in the offseason to take the next step? Because the biggest problem I see on the Bears' offense is there's no pro bowlers to say. There's no all pros. There's no difference. There's no guys to be good, to score points. You have to have guys top six, top seven in the NFL at their position, right? If you look at, say, Cody White here and James Daniels have developed into pretty good offensive linemen, but would you say they're pro-bowl type players? Mm -hmm. So I got to eventually develop somebody into that role where they walk on the field and I'm thinking to myself, like when I watch Quentin Nelson, obviously it's an extreme example. I think to myself, man, what does Chris Ballard have to pay that guy, right? That's the problem you want the Bears to have. Mm. Gosh, what do I got to pay this guy? Like Roquan Smith. Like Roquan. We're thinking about Roquan. Like I I can see it in your face. You're like, (laughs) yeah, I know what you're thinking. I'm about Roquan, right? right? Like, what the hell are they going to pay Roquan Smith, right? Because he's that kind of player. And you see that in their results. Mm. They have difference makers on that side of the ball. They have guys who set records. Quinn. They have Roquan Smith. They have Jalen Johnson. They have Mm. guys who you're like, oh, man. That guy, like when a coach turns the film off from the other team, is like, how are we going to get away from this guy? Yeah. I don't see that on offense. I don't see a Tyreek Hill. I don't see a Travis Kelsey. I don't see a Kyler Murray. I don't see these kind of guys, uh, Devontae Adams. I don't see a guy who scares you, who you're like, man, that guy, that's top five in the league. That yeah. That's where the offense to me. So I don't know. And when you ask about the tackles, Borum has shown some, but – how many starts in a row does he have? Like, you know, offensive linemen, man, you got to be consistent, mm-hmm. consistently on the field, mm-hmm. and you got to be there week in and week out before someone says, man, this guy, this guy's a guy now. Mm-hmm. This is a guy fourth and one. We all know. I'm running, yeah. I'm running behind Zach Martin. Right, I've right. been watching Zach Martin here on this TV. Yeah. You know, the best in the business, right? Uh, and obviously, again, those are extreme examples. But that's kind of where I stand on the young guys on this team. I don't see anybody who I'd say I give a contract to. But I do see guys where I'm like, I'm going to develop this. Like, this guy needs – if I maybe if I develop him a little more, give him the right scheme, the right coaching, maybe he takes another step.
2: And I think specifically – I was even talking specifically about Darnell Mooney sort of in that vein because, like, Luke Canell has asked me and Jim Miller about that towards the end of our show over on Fox 32. Basically, like, is, is Darnell Mooney a number one receiver? And I basically said, you know, he's two years in. So, I think there, there's still potential he could become that. Like, I, I don't want to shut the door on that yet. And I was so excited. Like the very first game he played last season in Detroit, it's like wow. Because I, you know, I watched a little bit of his college film after they drafted him, but we didn't have preseason games last year. So my first time seeing Darnell Mooney, like watching a full game of him, was in Detroit, with no preseason. Like wow, this isn't just some speed guy. Mm-mm. He's got nuance to his route running. He's got soft, confident hands. He can run the intermediate routes and do so knowing contact is on the way. That being said, is and I'm still very excited about him. You know, maybe at this point, he's, maybe his ceiling is is like a Deshaun Jackson. Like, that's not an insult, but Deshaun Jackson has never been the number one receiver on a great offense. Like, Deshaun Jackson has made a lot of big plays in his career. Mm-hmm. And then Jim ended up coming with, with the example of where, like, Tyler Lockett is really good in Seattle, but DK Metcalf is the one that everybody game plans for. You know, where Tyler Lockett is a really good ball player, but you do need another guy to, to kind of really still be your alpha in the receiver core. So I, I, st- I still feel like it's early, in my opinion, where I wouldn't say I'm I'm kind of final on what I definitively think Darnell Mooney's ceiling is, but I'm definitely not at the point where I think that that's an alpha receiver on a really good roster. I think you, you do need another guy to couple with him who maybe that's the one the opponents really have to game plan for if you want your offense to be at its peak.
3: Yeah, and, and a good thing about Darnell Mooney is drafted in 2021, you have a couple more years, yeah. right? Yeah. And you should be... Uh, obviously, most think Allen Robinson is moving on all right? yeah. after they franchise him. they, The Bears think the same thing you're saying, right? That they think Allen Robinson was going to be their number one receiver and Mooney was going to compliment him. Can you bring in a wide receiver coach? Can you bring in a scheme that develops Mooney into this number one type wide receiver that we're talking about where mm-hmm. even when the coverage rolls his way, he's open? Like, this is where we're going. Incredible. Critical- like, I'm
2: not sure Tyreek Hill would be Tyreek Hill everywhere, mm-hmm. but in Kansas City, like that, that offense, that coach, that quarterback, Tyreek Hill is as good as productive as anyone in the business. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's that guy everywhere though. Mm-hmm. Like that situation, and they found what suits Tyreek Hill there,
3: and they make him one of the best in the business. But I don't think like Tyreek Hill wouldn't be Tyreek Hill in Chicago. Yeah, you know? and, and, and and to your point. Everybody always says, man, the Bears can just find a quarterback. And I always argue the worst thing the Bears ever did was convince themselves their problem only was finding a quarterback, right? Because <laughs> they all hide behind that. And it's uh, you just seen the Seattle Seahawks play with a pretty damn good quarterback, Russell uh-huh. Wilson. Really? You've seen him take a sack at the end of the game that basically law could you could argue almost lost him the game, right? Mm-hmm. And he made him make bad throws as the game went on, but um, and then you look at the way their offensive staff was built, right? And and then you realize coaching is so critical yeah. in the NFL and yeah. the scheme you're in and what the guy's being asked to do and what can the offensive line do what we're asking them to do. Can the running back, can the quarterback, I got to ask him to do what he's good at. They hire Shane Waldron in Seattle. I just think it's interesting, Big Amp, not to, not to say like, The Bears are like that, but I always think it's interesting to study these teams when they come in. Study the Giants. What are they doing, right? Why isn't that working? Study the Seahawks. Man, you got Russell Wilson, right? You Mm. got DK Metcalf. You got Tyler Lockett. Mm. You got Everett. Why isn't that working over there? Take a good look at it because Russell Wilson was who you were rumored to going to trade three ones in a three for, Hmm. right? So they built this. Offensive staff now, since Darryl Bevel left, they've built two staffs around him and haven't got what they wanted out of this guy. Yeah. So you have to be really careful saying, then all we need is a quarterback. <laughs> now, you need more than that. And to, to your point of uh, Tyreek Hill, M- Darnell Mooney, uh, is he a number one now? No. Would I pay him number one money now? No, but I don't have to. He's about where he needs to be in his career while he's developing to become Hopefully my number one
2: and your, your point about Cole Komet completely agree in, in the run phase of things. And I even think as a pass receiver, I would love to see like if there's anything for Cole Komet, you know, there's still a regular season game remaining. But you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with next weekend. You know, the game may be moved. Who knows what's happening with post post. I'd love to, to break some of this down with Olin in, in some some detail getting into the minutia of even Cole Komet, where he's had some moments here through just a couple of seasons with the Bears. I would love to see him take the offseason, like the, the the strength and the run phase, and and you know he's going to have to be match up one on one in pass protection on occasion. That's life in the NFL. Tight ends are in those situations sometimes, even against really good pass rushers. But mm-hmm. your top tight ends in the business are not just threats, but they're 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 like matchup nightmares mm-hmm. for the opponent. And, and Cole Komet isn't necessarily creating that type of separation. I don't know that he'll be able to develop that type of suddenness. But what I do think can still allow him to be an even better threat in the passing game. He's too much of a body catcher. Mm-hmm. And I, that that comes up a lot of times where the passes we see him drop this season is Cole Komet letting the football get into his body. And I you know certainly never caught a pass and I've caught one pass in a game in my entire life. So I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, I'm the 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 source on what makes receivers great. But when you see the the best do it whether it's receiver, tight end, even though know, throw David Montgomery's a running back, like one of the better pass-catching running backs in the game right now. They're not letting the ball get into their body as free, nearly as frequently as Cole Komet does. So just a young guy, just in a, you know, something that just that that is key to his position that can make him a better football mm-hmm. player. Cole Komet's gotta stop letting the ball get into his body because that's where a lot of these drops that we see him have come into it, where it's just Here it is, third down on the first series of the game. Let's throw it to Cole, and Cole's trying to catch it with his elbow. Hmm. Extend your hands, man. Get your hands away from your body and confidently snatch it. And that's what you see, you know, Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronk, like the best in the business are doing that, even when they don't have that elite separation. Maybe those elite separation skills, that suddenness may not develop for Cole Komet. But to get more consistent, just snatching the ball with his hands, that's got to be there. And I think that's a focal point that can be there for you know, all these young cats. There's going to be something this offseason they need to look to get better at and commit. That's one thing that stands out to me, man. He's got to start catching the ball with his hands.
3: Yeah, and and what you're saying about Cole Komet, right, and you think about, like, George Kittle. I mean, here's a guy. Yeah. You know, obviously it's another, when we mentioned Kittle and Quentin Nelson. I mean, I guess we can name guys nobody's <laughs> yeah. ever heard of, heard but then but they're not going to know what they they're hell talking, we're talking about. about. But it's, I know it's an extreme example, but it's kind of what you're, you want to get. That's what I'm saying about these young guys, Big Ant, is what's going to get them to take that next step, right? Because yeah. when you look at the offense, you constantly say, well, it's just something's missing. We can't mm-hmm. get the ball in the damn end zone. Yeah. But when you go through player for player and coach for coach, mm-hmm. then you're not so confused anymore, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, why hasn't this guy taken another step? to your point, um, and we talk about player development and we talk about how much goes into that, right? Okay. Kokome, I want you to work on catching the ball with your hands. Yeah. Well, then what goes into that, right? That does it. What do you train? For that, do you just catch a football? Do you have to train hand strength, and mm-hmm. eye coordination? But you have to help these guys develop. Can I help you with film study so you're, you're anticipating when the ball is coming? So you're anticipating, and can I give you a drill? Uh-huh. So you see what I'm saying? So I don't know how much of that goes into – I remember one time at Santa Fe, I won't say the coach's name out of respect, but uh, um, well, one of my teammates for the Bears dropped the pass uh, interception. And he said – the defensive back coach yelled, "Catch the ball!" And I said, "Is that what they pay you for? Right? I mean, like anybody could stand there and scream." And of course, he said, "F you, Olin!" And, right. and we had we had an exchange, and you know, the ones that I enjoy, of course. But um, these, you know, I'm saying, like yeah. you have to help these young guys uh, take the step to be great, right? Like, right. I man, I remember watching James Daniels early and just being like, "This guy, he's got it." Man, he's got. Then I've watched him late in this year get beat by guys in one-on-one pass pro that he shouldn't get beat by. Mm -hmm. And and you start to wonder. Okay, now the development aspect of studying film, of getting better, studying the details, staying on them, getting these guys to take one just that. Little step, man, so so you have these top five, top six guys at their position. So when you go into games, you walk on the bu- off the bus a little taller, a little more confident when you have those kind of guys. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I, when we walked off the bus and, and it was Ruben Brown and, and Roberto Garza and Thomas Jones and hmm. – I felt a little tougher, uh, when felt, right? Right. When I walked in line of scrimmage <laughs> big hand. I looked uh-huh. at the nose guard like, "You're in trouble today. <laughs> Today's not your day." You know. But it, so, so the Bears to me, they just, they just, they're just missing. That and, and, and to ask, well, is Mooney a number one receiver? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Is he mm-hmm. really good? Yeah, is he fun to watch? Yes, today uh, in Seattle, I remember the last drive, he almost broke out of there, man. Right. I mean, right. he gave you, and then Montgomery caught two and ran through guys. And Montgomery, man, he's running guys over, but, oh, and is David Montgomery top five, six? I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah. yeah I, 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 I love him. I love him and as a player. so much like, yeah. in every run. Yeah. Like
2: it, I, it's probably three or four games in a row now where I leave the game. And I look at the stats, I'm like, how did David Montgomery only average two yards a carry? Right. Or three yards a carry. Like, it <laughs> looked like he ran for
3: like 150 he's yards, man. Like, how are his numbers still that low? And then big, Ant, I mean, I, I know we're kind of right out of time, but and then they interview him after the game. And 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 the look in his eye when he's talking about Coach Nagy talked about emptying my cup. Mm. And, and I love Coach Nagy. And listen, even if it doesn't work with Coach Nagy, like that's the kind of guy you yeah. want. Yeah. In your locker room, right? So, okay, when you look at guys like that, young guys like that, okay, I got, I can I help him mm-hmm. take one more step? Mm-hmm. Can I help him become that back? That, that, okay, I'm gonna get, like, he has though caught the ball at the backfield, but all of a sudden we get down that red zone and it just looks like we lack talent somewhere. We lack right. a matchup, you know, like Jimmy, we're going to Jimmy Graham. In the red zone, I, I, I like Jimmy Graham. Jimmy had a great career. <laughs> I, can we stop going to him in the red zone, right? Can, and and you know like he beats well, John. Who else is going to yeah, score it yeah, though, man? Like <laughs> now, <laughs> Give me another see, touchdown score. You, 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 to to <laughs> uh, you can't tell me, Big guy, You can't tell me. Although he made a great catch today, you can't tell me I have a number one receiver when I'm throwing the ball up to Jimmy Graham in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. We do have a few minutes left. There's been some folks on hold. Let's make sure we get uh, we get another caller here. We got Nick, who's out in Arlington Heights, man. What's happening, man? Nick, you got Anthony and Owen.
4: I'll tell you what. I just want to touch base with uh, Mr. Cruz, who is uh, probably one of my all-time favorite Bears. What does he think about this whole Antonio Brown thing? Mm-hmm. And what would all Cruz do? If he was on the field when one of his teammates took off his pads, jerseys, and everything, threw it down, and just walked out of the stadium, what would Olin do?
2: Well, Nick, has has Olin ever
3: done it? Maybe, maybe that's the first question. <laughs> Taking my pads off, <laughs> yeah, take the pads, lose the shirt, uh, throw I've, them in the stands. I've, I've lost my mind before, but um, <laughs> first of all, Nick, thanks for checking in, man. Uh, second of all, first of all, you worry about Antonio Brown, right? I don't know, uh, have any of these signs been? Has they been? It looks like they've it's been coming. And they thought, I guess, with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, they thought they had enough leadership in the locker room to control. You saw Mike Evans even try to talk him. You know, if you don't respect Mike Evans, you don't respect Tom Brady, you don't respect Bruce Arians. Uh, It looks like there's a little more going on there for Antonio Brown. At that point, to be honest, Nick, uh, what can you do, right? I mean, uh, uh, what is getting in someone's face who looks like he just lost his mind, all you're going to do is escalate the situation. Mm. Um, I can't say what I would have, wouldn't have done in my 20s, mm. but I know now enough to know that you would not get in someone's face. You can't stop that kind of moving train, I guess, Big Ant. Mm. I don't know what you thought uh, when you saw that. I thought to myself nowadays as a dad of six, I thought, man, that guy, I hope, I hope he's okay. Yeah. I hope he's okay because yeah. – you know, when you throw your pads in the stands, and uh, you, you look, you look like you've, you, you need, you have mental health issues or whatever may be going on. Right. And we know Antonio Brown has been reported that he's gone through some things. So I'm trying to be careful here mm-hmm. with what you say because I don't know if there's a bigger problem there.
2: Yeah, yeah. You you never know what's happening in somebody's private life. We've all seen you know plenty of stories of. You know, players who've gone through, you know, some of them great players, some of them players you never heard of, but just coming through this game and, you you know, you kind of just get cycled through the system a little bit and then your career is done and then, you know, kind of find out what what guys are dealing with afterwards. And sometimes it's, you know, not always the the best finish when a career and we certainly hope that uh, that there's nothing like that, that awaits Antonio Brown. But Mm -hmm. I think that's a that's a great observation on your part, just to you, you have no idea what he is truly going through. We do know what reportedly he's put some of the people in his life through, certainly mm-hmm. what he has put a couple of the, the NFL teams that he's been mm-hmm. with through. But but in the end, you know, he, he's no longer with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's something that Bruce Arians did specifically clarify afterwards. You just hope there's some people in Antonio Brown's life mm-hmm. who will be able to uh, to get him whatever help that he, that he does yeah, and, need. And,
3: and, and let's also say this, Big Ant if you are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though you're done with him on the football side, I think you're still responsible for Antonio Brown as a person. Mm -hmm. I think you still have to provide him and make sure he's okay. I I think you got to surround him tonight, tomorrow, even within the next month. And make sure that you you have enough people on staff. Every NFL team looks out for these kind of problems Mm -hmm. nowadays since uh, they have popped up more and more or they've been reported more and more. And I still think, even though Bruce Arians, he's not on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anymore, uh, the general manager, whoever else is in that building, to me, you still have some responsibility to say, okay, let's make sure this guy's okay, though. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure we send somebody to his house, maybe even more than one person, and yeah. say, okay, Antonio, let's sit down, let's, look. you're not going to come back to Tampa Bay, but we're here we're not leaving. You know, we don't want anybody to get hurt. We don't want you to hurt yourself. Right. We're not going to do anything. We're going to make sure within this next month you're okay.
2: Every squad has some sort of a director of player development or director of player program, someone who is responsible as that liaison who specifically oversees players, what they're doing off the field, what their relationships are between, you know, kind of being that conduit between the front office and the, and the locker room and you name it. So, yeah, that's definitely a great point there. We hope the best for whatever it is Antonio Brown is going through. and In the end, he helped to win a Super Bowl last year, so they just move on in some sort of a mercenary way. We will see. That's how life tends to ride sometimes in the NFL. But with the Chicago Bears, there is a regular season game that remains. For now, it is scheduled for next Sunday at noon, and for now, it is scheduled that Olin Cruz and myself will be here breaking all of it down with you after the Bears game ends and after the post-game show ends. Olin, I will be with you next week. Tomorrow will be a Bears Monday. will be the day after the 30th anniversary here of 670. The Score. I want to be on with Molly and Hall in the morning. I will be on with Lawrence Holmes in the afternoon. Our thanks to all of you for listening in. Sunday night football coverage on the way with the Green Bay Packers hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Appreciations and salutations for all of you listening in to the Post Post Show on The Score.